Hi, and thank you for joining us for the Compass Catholic Podcast. My name is Caitlin Kano. I'm joined by my co-host, Diana Rojas, as we meet every week to explore personal finance topics from an authentically Catholic perspective. On this podcast, we explore the spiritual, emotional, and economic aspects of money. Thanks for joining us. Hi, and welcome to the Compass Catholic Podcast. I am thrilled with our guest today. This is going to be a fun conversation. How are you doing, Diana? I'm good, but Caitlin, before we start, I have to ask you, I think you had mentioned that you're moving. Is it moving day? Because I, your room looks empty and I see boxes, so I'm kind of excited, but kind of hoping it's a move and not like you just packing, packing up some random stuff back there. Right. Yeah, so for those who are listening to, to our audio podcast, you can't see the room behind me. <laughs> so if you want to, you can go to our YouTube channel and see what Diana is talking about. But today is moving day. I don't know if I can move my huge screen, but I mean, treadmills out. I have everything in boxes and um, yeah, I mean, it's just pandemonium in the candle household, but it's fine. We'll get over there and it'll happen. That's what I keep telling myself. Um, but you know, in times of crisis, it's not even crisis, it's all good. Like this is all a good thing, but in times of like chaos, I just have to remind myself to pray a little bit more, you know, and, and take deep breaths. And that is definitely today. Yeah. I, I know you were telling me about it. I'm I'm grateful for you. I'm happy for you that you don't have to actually do a lot of the moving. You guys have a whole system going. So I'm happy for you guys that you have like someone helping you to move all those heavy stuff. Cause I'm sure you guys have some, some things that aren't very light. If you have like couches and dinner tables and oh, yeah. whatever else you might have. I always imagine the friends episode, the pivot, Pivot. Pivot. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's, I think we'll be there shortly, especially when the movers come. But uh, we're a military family. So this is move number 11. It's crazy. So we have, I mean, it is a process. And the funny thing is, I didn't realize how much the kids are listening to the process. And this should hopefully be our last move. This is the plan. And we'll see if God laughs at our plan or not. But the plan is that this is where we're going to settle. I hope. It I thought you were going to come move closer to me in Miami. No, no, <laughs> not I quite yet. I, <laughs> I wish I could, but this is the play. We hope to be settling here, but I have a pool. So come visit. I Yay. want visitors and guests. Um, so, but it's funny that, you know, as we're going through the moving process, the kids just jump right in. Like they've been listening all these years and they have their systems, which pretty much work with our systems. I didn't realize how much they're actually paying attention because now that they're old enough to help, like the 13 year old can lift, and he has some muscle behind him, you know, so we put them to work and, and they're just jumping in. So it just, you know, speaks to the benefit of having a, a bunch of kids and having a, a crew to help out during these things. They all just kind of fall in line and do what they're supposed to do. And I'm, I'm counting my blessings while being aware of the chaos. <laughs> well, it's like Brian said when we talked to him on the podcast mm -hmm. that even when we're not listening, we're listening. So you're doing listening. something right if your kid's they just know, line up, pack up. We know what we got to do, but yeah. Line up, yep, yep. So we are we are there. And going back to today's guest, I'm really excited. Today's topic is um, we're actually interviewing Joe Galloway, who wrote this amazing book, It's Not Your Money. Um, I recommend you go ahead and look on our website. It's available on compasscatholic.org. It was an amazing read, and Joe was gracious enough to 
agree to come on the podcast today. But Diana, do you mind letting us know a little bit more about Joe? Yes. So Joe Galloway is a retired after 35 years of working as a financial advisor. He now serves as an ambassador for Compass Catholic Ministries, a director of stewardship for his parish, and he's the author of It's Not Your Money, and also another book called The Broken Door. He's a popular speaker, and he conducts workshops on the various aspects of financial stewardship and enjoys just helping people find their peace. So hopefully we'll get some peace out of his conversation. And I'm super excited to speak with him. So we'll bring Joe on now. Hi, Joe. Welcome. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much. Hope you are. Yes, we well, are. We, we both are. are. We were speaking a little bit earlier, so we're doing well as also. But we can jump right into the questions. We are um, really excited. We both read your book. So it's called It's Not Your Money. And it was Short and sweet, but super awesome. And I, I was telling Caitlin, I love the notes section in the back. I was taking a lot of notes in there. So um, I'm really excited for you to share a little bit more about that. And that's kind of where I was hoping you could start. Um, maybe just the inspiration behind the book, It's Not Your Money, and also a little bit more about what exactly is It's Not Your Money, because I know it's more than just a book. So we can start there. I will. Well, you know, surely the uh, inspiration for the book uh, really came about as an effort of me trying to merge my work life with my faith life. And uh, that's that has always been an important um, balance for me. Um, I've not always been Catholic, um, but I was raised primarily as a Baptist and became Catholic in my late 20s. And so just being interested in the Bible anyway and then trying to be a good, faithful Christian in the workplace um, drove me to the point of, gosh, maybe as many as, I don't know, 20 years ago, trying to figure out, okay, how, how, what can I do to put this together? How can I link my work as a financial advisor uh, in with what the Bible has to say about money? And there are a handful of resources out there uh, to help with that. But, it, you know, God placed it on my heart back in the, or, you know, 2001, 2002 area to, to begin to do little blurbs of, of how I can see connection between the Bible and money. And that came out as it's not your money. And the other thing that drives that is an, an inspiration, I guess, a, a, not an inspiration, but a realization from my work experience of helping people manage their own money, of how many people worry about money. It just always amazed me that it, it almost doesn't matter how much money they have. It could be, you know, 50,000, 500,000. It could be $5 million. The, hmm. the clients were always a little worried about money. And I'm like, well, why? There seems to be some kind of disconnect here. Uh, if, if you have so much faith and trust in your money, isn't that faith and trust misplaced? And shouldn't that rather be in God? And so that kind of drove me along to try to be a little bit more serious about it's not your money. And uh, to that end, I've been producing 30 minute, I don't know, 30 second radio <laughs> spots. Uh, that air on some Catholic radio stations. And then about uh, uh, four years ago or so, I've had a major life upheaval, um, just in serious grief and stress and took some time off of work and went, I had a chance to, to travel with a friend who was putting on some workshops up in Minneapolis. And so I was with him up there uh, and discovered that there is the Basilica of St. Mary in Minneapolis. It turns out it's the oldest basilica in the United States. And we're thinking, well, who knew about that? Uh, being good Catholics, let's go visit. So my buddy and I went to visit on a Tuesday morning. It was a beautiful, clear blue sky in the first week of November. And uh, just amazed at, at the grandeur of this uh, basilica cathedral. And we're in there. Like I said, it's Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock or so. Nobody is in the place. 
And we're in there. And like I said, I'm going through a, a major uh, period of grief in my life. I'm just off in this little alcove where it's just, you know, gorgeous. I mean, uh, candles lit up the wall, a statue of Mary there, a place to kneel. And I'm le le uh, kneeling and just pouring my heart out saying, you know, what is going on with my life? I'm confused. I, I don't understand this. Uh, just tell me what you want me to do. And that was my prayer. Tell me what you want me to do. And within a few minutes, I heard a voice speak to me, just like you can hear me speaking right now. Take It's Not Your Money National. And I remember looking around, and said, who said that? My buddy was across the building. Nobody else was there. And I heard it so clearly. And so when we left, I told my friend about it. I'm like, did I really hear that? I mean, how often do we get answers so quick and so clear to our prayers, right? I mean, hardly ever. So I'm just thinking, well, my mind's playing tricks on me. Okay, well, we'll see. So uh, about a month later, it's the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And I'm, I'm in Mass, of course. I come back from communion. I'm kneeling at the pew. I'm by myself. Nobody else is with me. There's nobody right next to me either. And I hear a voice saying, you need to get on with taking It's Not Your Money National. And again, I'm looking around. Who, nobody knows about this. I haven't said anything except to my friend. And he's not with me. And so I'm like, okay, gosh, um, I, I need to get on this thing. And so I was taking classes at Loyola University back in the late 1990s to get a degree in pastoral studies, which in a full disclosure, I did not finish. But I'm thinking, well, maybe the school can help me develop It's Not Your Money into a curriculum. And so I looked and found there are two professors that I had are still there. And I'm thinking, well, I'm going to put an email together and send them my information about it's not your money and see if they can help. And then the next week on at Sunday mass in middle of December now, and the, the pastor's preaching about what is your plan to serve God in the next, in the coming new year. And I remember thinking to myself, well, I'm, my plan is I'm taking, it's not your money national. I don't know how that's going to happen, but Mary is going to make it happen because she told me in the Basilica, she told me on the feast of the immaculate conception, and I need to get serious about this. And so I, I pinned that email, sent it to professors to Loyola. Of course, they did not respond. No <laughs> surprise. But what it did is it spurred me on to talk with my pastor about this whole experience. And in that conversation, he said, well, Joe, you don't know this, but I've been praying that we have a director of stewardship at our parish and uh, you're the perfect candidate. And so you're the answer to my prayer. So you come on staff and you develop it's not your money from a practical on the ground, mm. talking with the people in the pews about stewardship and have more credibility in doing that. And so to shorten the story now, I'll just say that's that's what I've been doing for the past three years anyway, working at my parish as the director of stewardship. And in the meantime, writing the book, It's Not Your Money, so that I can have the chance to take it national. And here we are just trying to be obedient to Mary's uh, instructive to me. Mm. That's no pressure on our part, right, Diana? <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. But I really, I really enjoyed it, Joe. So thank you so much for sending us a copy. Yes. You, if you want to get your copy, you go on compasscatholic.org and go to our store. It is there for you. Um, and I just thought it was, it wasn't too heavy of a lift. It wasn't, you know, it didn't take weeks for me to get through it. But every chapter, I felt like I really had to kind of marinate in and saturate mm -hmm. in. So I appreciate that. And then. I saw that throughout all the chapters, the, the theme was um, 
from my perspective, linking stewardship and discipleship. And I thought you did that really, really well throughout the entire book. So I'm wondering if you can tell us about that connection and how someone can use that connection to find peace and contentment with their finances and with um, generosity in general. Sure, absolutely. Thank you. That, that's that's a good and frankly tough question because I guess you know, having been a Baptist my whole uh, my young adult life, I, I, the only thing I ever heard about stewardship as a Baptist was you've got to tithe ten percent or else. And when I became Catholic, um, to me, stewardship is, uh, frankly, it's de-emphasized. And, uh, and I hear some complaints in the Catholic Church to say, well, stewardship is just a, a fancy way for the church to ask for money. And my response to that is, uh, if you, you think stewardship is about asking money in the Catholic Church, you need to go visit a Baptist church. Um, but I know there's that tension in the church itself about what is stewardship. And what the church teaches is that stewardship is discipleship. It's about mm -hmm. how we are to live our lives every day, striving to be like Jesus. And to live like Jesus, how, how did Jesus live? But he put God first in everything. And that's what we're to do. If we're striving to be good Christian, good Catholic Christians, good disciples of Christ, we put God first in everything. And the starting point of that is acknowledging that every single thing we have is a gift from God. I mean, think about what do you have that you have not been given? Hmm. I mean, every moment of time is a gift to you. Every ounce of talent and ability, interest, drive and desire, what, what, whatever your interests and abilities are, God gave those gifts to you. Hmm. And then when you employ those and you earn money, that's God's gift to you. And so that's everything. And we talk about stewardship in that way. You know, it almost rolls off the tongue, right? Stewardship of time, talent, and treasure. When time, talent, and treasure now becomes the totality of all of God's gifts to us. And when we acknowledge that every single thing we have in our lives is his gift to us, my goodness, it's overwhelming. And how else can we respond? But in, in joy and in gratitude and in a drive and desire to give back. And that's what he asks of us. So that, that's the connection. That's what the church teaches about stewardship as a way of life. Hmm. So that's what we try to do. And so I try to make that connection, okay, um, specifically as Compass Catholic and as It's Not Your Money, it's about the financial aspects of stewardship. And so, you know, how do you live your life every single day, right? Almost every single day, you have to encounter money. You cannot avoid it, mm. hardly. You know, and I'll, I'll glibly ask, well, can you go a day without spending money? And, you know, somebody could say, well, you know, I didn't use any cash today. I didn't, I didn't pull Venmo up on my phone and send money to anybody. But, but okay, did you take a hot shower? I hope so. You know, you probably ate something. You drove somewhere. In other words, you use resources that cost you money. So you mm. have money every day. And so it's an integral part of our life every day. And so, gosh, shouldn't something so important to our everyday life be a part of our spiritual life? And that's the connection I'm hoping to make with It's Not Your Money. Yeah, and I love that connection. I, I hadn't, before reading your book, I hadn't made that connection between discipleship and stewardship. But after I read that Caitlin was saying, it really struck a chord with me as well. Caitlin and I love the word stewardship, and we know that it's not always the most popular word. So we're happy that it has a, a good synonym that we can put next that's to right. it now. A nice that's little right. softening of the word stewardship. So um yeah, you know, what struck me also is I was thinking a lot about what you're, what I read in your book and one of our previous um, 
our previous guest was a couple, Michelle and Assis, they were on last week, I think it was, I'm not sure when this will air, but, and they, this, they, had this, they had this sense of calm and this trust, and they were able to make decisions, hard decisions, and knowing that, okay, this is not gonna be easy for us, but we trust that God's gonna provide for us no matter what. Um, kind of faith to trust and, and move when he says move. And I see that in your story, like in your actual, in your book, but also in, in your ability to be sitting in that chapel and you heard audibly heard a voice and you're like, all right, like this has to be God. But I'm guessing, or not I'm guessing, my question is, we heard the full story of, of, of the whole thing. And were there ever moments that, that you were like, nah, that, that I'm just, this has to be just me, you know, going crazy or, or thinking crazy thoughts. Like, was there ever moments of doubt when you were trying to produce this book and trying to write everything and just, and kind of how did you deal with those moments of doubts if you did have them? Sure. Oh yeah. Do you ever doubt? Do you ever have any doubts in your faith? I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't think we would be human if we didn't have any doubts. So of course, it's not that I had doubts in the book or the process of where I am now, hmm. but did I have doubts back at the beginning? of uh, trying to live a stewardship life. Um, you know, is it important to do? Is it really all that necessary? Doesn't God love me anyway? Or, you know, and then of course, the financially obvious ones is, can I afford to do this? You know, I don't think I can, it doesn't fit into my, but tithing doesn't make any sense financially. I mean, it just doesn't add up. And, uh, and so, you know, how, how is this even going to work? So are there doubts? Absolutely. And you know what? That's okay. I think it's very much okay to have doubts and have questions and to grapple with God about these issues and how does this work for me? God, what do you want from me and all this? And I think that's what it's about. But it really boils down to faith and trust. That is the bottom line. And I remember, and I tell a little story about this in the book, because a friend of mine asked me, um, you know, how, how did you get started on all this? You know, what made you do it? That was actually his question. What made you do it? What, in other words, what made you start tithing at the 10% level? And um, I remembered uh, being on a, in mass at a stewardship Sunday, gosh, uh, year, years ago, more than 20 years ago, uh, way more than 20 years ago. I was in my early 30s. It was a long time ago. And, uh, and uh, a friend of mine was speaking, him and his wife. I didn't know they were going to be speaking. They didn't tell us, but uh, they were up there speaking about their, uh, for, on behalf of Stewardship Sunday. And they basically just said, we're just going to start tithing 10%. We don't know how this is going to work on our budget. It doesn't add up, but we're just going to step out in faith and do it. And, and, and you see my face right now. This was my face and mask. I'm like, oh, my goodness. He's right. What's the matter with me? I know this. I, I used to be Baptist. I know the Bible mm -hmm. verses that talk about tithing 10%. And he's right. And I'm not doing it. And, and what's the matter? And so that was the gut punch for me. Mm -hmm. And that was the push to get me started. Now, I'd love to tell you, I just jumped off the cliff and went cold turkey and started tithing 10% next week. That didn't happen. It was very much a progression for me. But what it did is it started a conversation between me and God and me and my wife. How are we living our lives? Is it in line with what God is asking us to do? And is he first? And he wasn't. And we had a lot of angst and stress in our lives because of that. But it's when we took that step of faith, that it's, you know, remember the movie, um, the search, Indiana Jones and search for the Holy Grail, right? And, and he's made it all the way through. And now he's at this big old chasm. And on the other side is this little cave where he believes the Holy Grail is. And he's got to get to the other side. And there's just no possible way to get there. You remember that scene? And what's he do? 
he closes his eyes and takes a step and he gets caught. He, he, you know, he lands on solid ground and that is that step of faith. That's exactly how it is with tithing. That's what it takes to just grit your teeth and close your eyes and say, okay, Lord, I know this is from you. Mm. I give it back to you. I don't understand how it's going to work, but I trust <laughs> you and I take that step of faith and that, that I'm telling you, what happens in your life when you take that step of faith, but you gain a sense of peace that beyond understanding. I love that it's touching such emotion in you. I just think that's, that's beautiful. And um, uh, you're talking about tithing and I, I think it's something we need to point out that USCCB's teaching on tithing is we give to our ability. That being said, most Catholics don't even give 1%. So I love that your goal was 10% because that's 10 times most, or even the more generous Catholics don't even right. hit that point. And so that was a leap of faith, right? And that leap of faith obviously hit a nerve and caused emotion within you. And I just think that's beautiful. And I think what's good about your book is it's not hitting the 10% mark. That's not, that's not the goal necessarily. It's having a systematic conversation between yourself and God as to, am I being as generous as I can be? Because generosity is a luxury. It's a beautiful thing that we're all called to share and it's a luxury we can all participate in because it's something that really primarily benefits us as the giver, right? God is God. God can do what he wants to do. He doesn't need my additional 3% in my generosity plan, but I get to do that. Right. So a tithing, I feel like, is something we can talk about. It's not so much hitting that 10 percent mark, even though that's a wonderful goal. And that's so beyond what most people do. It's more about having that systematic conversation with yourself. Mm. Am I pushing? Am I taking that, closing my eyes and taking that leap? Right. And you took that leap. And it seems like it's something just the fact that you had that emotion and that surge to take that leap is something you are grateful about probably more, probably more valuable to you than that 10% that you gave that year. Right. So I'm wondering if um, you can talk to that a little bit. Was that, what was that experience like to you for you to get to be generous once you made that decision? Mm. Well, let me, let me just, has anyone, to, anyone ever regret being generous? Not once. No, you might regret spending some money on some mm -hmm. things. You know, you have the buyer's remorse. But do you ever regret being generous? You know, probably not. And so, um, you know, what's what's fun for me now as a Catholic is um, is you know what what are we called to give? But in response, in just response to the blessings that God gives to us. And so the mm -hmm. the the examination really is: am, am I giving back in a way that truly is reflective of God's blessings mm -hmm. to me? That's the measure. Now, what is that? And so the Old Testament makes it easy. It's 10%, you know, of first fruits. And so it's fun uh, to get into all the legalities of that. You know, um, you know, was that 10% of gross or 10% of net? You know, 10% of income or 10% of everything? You know, what, well, what is it really to be? And, um, and so when uh, a few times that I had the chance to have that conversation, um, you know, Joe, that's Old Testament thinking. Well, okay, the New Testament. Let's look at some of that. I mean, you know, John the Baptist said, if you have two cloaks, you should give one. Well, that's 50%. That's 50%. You know, Zacchaeus was called down out of the tree and, you know, called on the carpet. He said, listen, if I've defrauded anybody, I'll pay them back fourfold and I'll give half of my wealth. 
uh, to the poor. Right? You know, that, that's a lot. You know, mm -hmm. Jesus told the rich young man to do what? Sell everything. You know, Jesus did what? He gave everything. So the New Testament is much more than 10 percent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's kind of what God wants. He wants all of us. And so how does that whittle down to what you do in actuality in your spending plan? You know, mm. where is God in your spending plan? Is he first? And how much is he getting? Is it commensurate with the blessings in your life? And is, mm -hmm. so if that's 10 percent or not, it's, it's not the le legal definition. It's much more about the spirit of it all. Mm. Am I being intentional? Am I being obedient? I'll tell you, there's a for me, that, that's what it was for me. And, and maybe that's my Baptist background. Uh, I knew I wasn't being obedient to the word of God. And when I began to admit that and began to take steps toward that, then mm. when I began to realize that sense of peace and, and contentment that is beyond anything that the world could give. I mean, the world just can't give that sense of peace. So it's only to me, only when I'm obedient to the word of God. You know, in Romans, Paul talked about how you know, he didn't do the things he knew he was supposed to do. And he's like miserable one that I am. And think about when you don't do what you know you're supposed to do. How do you feel about that? You know, you know. Right. And I knew. And so when I realized it, admitted, OK, no, I've, I've got to be obedient. It's in that obedience to God's word that I where I really began to gain the sense of peace and joy and contentment that I hope for that. I think we all seek. Does that make sense? Total sense. And yeah. we're living in this, about, you know, is it, you know, how much are we supposed to give? Forgive me. And, you know, in second oh. Corinthians chapter eight and nine, talk about, you know, God only calls us to give what we can give, you know, so he doesn't call us to give any more than we can give. Now, mm -hmm. of course, we've got to define for ourselves what that means. Bring that to prayer. Uh, listen to the urgings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, he's whispering and say, okay, he's telling you what to do. You know what to do. Be obedient to that. Be attentive to that. And uh, but do what you can do and do only what you can do and then do it cheerfully. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. Right. Mm. That's all in Second Corinthians chapters eight and nine. So we're living in this age of covid, right? Like people are losing their jobs. I'm in Las Vegas. They just announced another couple of hotels laying off majority of their employees. It's, you know, kind of a tumultuous time. So I'm wondering what advice you would give to pe people who are either um have unstable, unstable income, or they're living out of a place of fear and financial insecurity in regards to um, their call to still be stewards and still be generous. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, these are difficult and challenging times. There's no mm -hmm. question. And, you know, and, I, and I've really wondered, you know, what, what is happening with this COVID experience that we are having? You know, how is God at work? Because God is at work in this. I truly believe that. He is at work in this. And I think God is trying to get our attention yet again and saying, you know what? Um, you're not living the way that I want you to live. So I think the, this COVID event is an opportunity for us to step back and be reflective about how we live our lives. Are we living them in a way that honors God? And, you know, if I've had this decrease in income or a layoff and I've got I've got adult children who have lost their jobs, I mean, lost their careers now. So they're having to really be thoughtful. I mean, I, you know, it, it's been it's been impactful, to say the least. But it's like, OK, what does God want me to do? And just remember this. And, and I hope this doesn't come across as a platitude. But but listen to this. God knows you 
God loves you. He created you. The creator of the universe created you and he knows you and he loves you and he is going to take care of you. All you've got to do is trust and take those steps of faith. And so uh, how, how does that apply? You just know that, um, you know, he, he's asking you to draw closer. Mm. Take this as an opportunity to draw closer, to be a better disciple and think about how you've been living your life. And are you really spending your money? in alignment with how God wants you to live, how, how, would, how your life would reflect your love and your trust of God to provide for you, because God will provide. Doesn't mean you get to do nothing and it's all going to happen for you. But taking those steps of faith, trusting that God will provide and analyzing your financial situation, your spending, and uh, you know, is it in alignment with ways that bring glory and honor to God? Hmm. And so I think that's what's really at heart here with the COVID event. So, uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. No, that's awesome. I think, yeah, just so many truths that you're speaking and so many things that I'm like trying to soak it all in and remember it all. Um, I mean, I just, before we close, there was just so many, I really underlined so many things in the book. And one of the things that really, you mentioned it already, but it's just worth saying again, you know, if we're giving from a place of love and we're giving, from a place of trust, right? I, you gave an example about when you give someone a gift, right? Um, in the book and you watch with anticipation and you wanna see how they right. react to your gift. And um, and then I kept reading and and then you wrote on page 60, on page 92, I'm sorry, where does God rank in your list of loved ones? And I was like, oof, like, am I willing to give him like a super awesome gift, right? Because I was talking with a friend actually yesterday and we were talking about like, being stingy and like not wanting to spend a lot of money. And I, how I told her that like for my sister or for someone that I'm love, I, I would spend a, however much money to get them a gift that I know they're going to love. Like, do I do that with God though? And so like, I made that connection yesterday. I'm like, dang, that's so good. Like, <laughs> yeah. But the, the point is like, I think it's, I think for me, um, you know, I, I try to remember like the intention is also really important. And you wrote that, um, that he sees our intention, right. And he loves our intention as well. So, you know, if someone can't give 10%, but you're, you're doing the best that you can to give as much as you can, like he sees that and he's going to honor that as well. It's not just like, I don't know, I get, I get fixated with like the exact amount. And I know that for, for my life where I'm at, like, if I can't give 10%, he sees what I am giving. And he still, like you said, he loves me however, however I am able to give him. So um, I think Caitlin, you had one more question, right? About, oh, I'm excited for this one. Yeah. So Joe, if you could give yourself Joe, 20 years ago, give that Joe a little bit of advice. What would it be? Hmm. That's a great question. And, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to expand it a little bit. It's not just Joe 20 years ago. It's everybody in the pews, hmm. all the 30 and 40 year olds in the pews who are trying going to church, trying to live life the right way and struggling and stressed. And because uh, that was me 20 and 30 years ago. Hmm. So here's what I tell you. Go deep. Be a part of something that is beautiful and majestic, and that's God's church. And to be a part, you have to commit. You have to do. You have to give. Frankly, you have to give to be a part. And so, therefore, to do that, you have to step out in faith and trust, like we've been talking about. And then when you go deep and you do that, then you know what? you got to hold fast because it isn't always easy. Hmm. You know, I opened the book with a quote from Psalm 27, take courage, be stout hearted, because it's gonna take courage. 
And it's not always going to be easy. And I end the book with the fruit of the spirit of fortitude. Because when you think about living a stewardship life, living in such a way that God is obviously first in your spending, he's first with how you spend your time. You know, frankly, it's, it's countercultural. It, it, it's almost revolutionary. And so to, to be willing to step out there and be the witness to the community that you're, you're living that way, that you're living God first, um, it, you're going you're gonna to take some hits. You know, people are going to make comments and you've just got to buck up and be strong through all of that. And so I say that to people that, you know, if, if you have financial stress in your life and you have a little angst of, okay, I'm not, something's amiss. I'm not really doing what I know I should be doing. How do I get there? What do I do? Then, then this is the, this, this message will change your life. And so if, if that is you, if that, that, cause that was me, like I said, that was me 20 and 30 years ago. And when I finally caught on to that and finally submitted to being obedient and putting God first, including with my spending, which means, guess what? I couldn't go out all the time. I can't just go shop and do what I want to do. I can't buy that, you know, next uh, super driver to be the club champion of the golf. I just, you know, I've got to spend money differently. I've got to be thoughtful about that. And so I can't, you know, somebody wants to go out to dinner and, and go to the play and, you know, I'm, I'm, we can't do that yet. You know, that's next month's expense. And so, you know, it's like I said, you know, it's a, it causes some challenges sometimes. But but for me, when we decided to live our life that way, those weren't really challenges. When we had to make those sacrifices, we knew why we were making. We felt good about that. That's the sense of peace. That's the blessing that I was able to gain from this. And so I encourage you to do the same thing. Go deep, hold fast. Be strong and and uh, enjoy the ride and, and be a part. Just be a part of something that's bigger. Because the truth of it is, if we would all acknowledge God's blessings in our life and give in a way that reflects our love for him and our trust in him to provide, if we would all do that, we would change the world. We would change the world. That's what this is about. Joe, we appreciate you. This has been such an interesting conversation. And I think, yeah, if you're curious at all, just go get Joe's book. It's compasscatholic.org. Um, just go buy it from there. And it's like I said, it's not too heavy of a lift. I read it in the evenings. Um, and I think it was over the course of like five evenings before bed. It was really not that, um, you know, I wasn't sitting there for hours and hours. But every time I sat down with it, it was impactful. So I recommend you go get it and look into it. And um, Joe, you speak with such passion and I'm hoping you can lead us out in prayer with that same oh level gosh, of passion. That's an honor. Yeah, so yeah, please, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we are just so grateful for all of the blessings that you give to us. Help us to be mindful every day, all day of those blessings and then speak and act in ways that bring glory and honor to you and help us, Lord, to have the trust in the faith, because we know that giving sacrificially, giving an amount that honors you, takes faith. And we know that faith is a gift from you. And we pray, Lord, for the gift of faith that we have the trust in you to provide for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please subscribe and share it with a friend? We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or ideas for future episode topics, you can email us at podcast at compasscatholic.org or you can give us a call at 407-878-7637. 
We are so happy to be on this journey with you.